Good morning. Good morning and welcome to worship here at GPC on a rainy winter day. Welcome. Thank you for all those who are here in our sanctuary and a warm welcome to everyone who's worshiping with us online. We're delighted that you are worshiping with us via our live stream or on Facebook. And so we just uh, do extend a warm welcome to everybody. We hope everybody feels very much at home here at GPC today or virtually at GPC today. Please do sign the friendship pad that's on the inside aisle of each pew. If you would just sign that and pass that down to your neighbors on the pew with you, and then you can see who's worshiping with you and you can greet them personally in just a few minutes. If you're worshiping online, there is an online friendship pad that you can go to the uh, uh, webpage, our church webpage, see the online friendship pad there, and you can sign it that way and mark your attendance with us as well. We're grateful for so many events going on in the life of the church. Today, our worship is uh, edified, it is beautified by the presence of these wonderful flowers that are on the chancel area. Those were present last night for the wedding of Abby Powell and Cale Powers. And so we are grateful that the, the flowers are now in our sanctuary and we can celebrate with them. Uh, many of you know Abby from uh, her growing up here in the church. Perhaps you taught her Sunday school or were a youth group advisor. I know her mentor, her confirmation mentor, was here at the first service. So celebrate with Abby and Cale. If you see Don and Elizabeth, congratulate them. Say a prayer of gladness and joy for uh, their marriage last night. We are back with our evening worship service this evening at 6 p.m. It's in Warren Hall. It is a less formal service. It's got um, beautiful music, different style music, but beautiful music. I encourage you to give that a try. Maybe make it a New Year's resolution to come uh, once a month or so and try out our evening worship service. And again, that's at 6 o'clock in Warren Hall, and I think you'll enjoy it very much. You'll see lots of announcements in your bulletin there about so many different things going on in the life of the church. I encourage you to read these. If you're uh, the parent of a younger child, then you can see where um, there's a new P&O or a resurrected P&O that will start at the end of the month, GPC Connect, and there's uh, some great things that will go along with that program. So encourage uh, families of, of uh, younger children to take advantage of that, and I think we're creating some fellowship groups out of that event as well. So please do see that announcement about uh, the GPC Connect. Two really uh, wonderful announcements to make uh, as part of our worship service this morning. One that I get to do, and that is to introduce to everyone Blair Hayes, who is our new director of children's ministry here at Germantown Presbyterian Church. And we're del- I think I see a few people applauding. I'm going to go ahead and let you do that. <laughs> we can clap for that, right? Of course. Um, Blair, it's so great to welcome you to the GPC staff, and really, we say the GPC family. Blair is a native of Memphis, a proud uh, University of Memphis Tiger for college, where she got a degree in um, childhood development, and then she has worked in uh, a couple of great churches around the area with children's ministries. She's also worked at the uh, hospice center, the Camp Good Grief, for uh, grieving children that's at the uh, hospice center in Collierville. So she's got great experience working uh, with children in many different capacities and ways, and we are so grateful that God has brought you to GPC for you to exercise your gifts and talents here on behalf of all of our children. And I know you got to meet a lot at Sunday School this morning, and that will continue as she uh, onboards here at GPC, but we're grateful, Blair, to welcome you to the GPC staff. Thank you. 
Another special announcement has to do with our youth auction, and I will call on the Wilsons here to help us make that announcement. Good morning. I am Elizabeth Wilson, and I am here as the chair of the youth, uh, youth ministry support team. Got to say it right. Um, and many of you know my daughter, Madison, who is a seventh grader and in our junior high youth program. How many of you have been to the youth auction before? Yeah. And they said that at the 8.30 service, most everybody raised their hand there, too. So you're already, already familiar with what we're going to talk about. Hopefully... We are going to be back in person for our auction this year. Last year, we did the silent auction in Warren Hall, and we are hoping that the pandemic will allow us to be back in person this year. Um, I have been going to the youth auction for a very long time now. Um, I love the youth auction because it's you, any age group can go, and I've made so many great memories with a bunch of my friends from church at the youth auction. Um, money raised goes to the offset the cost of the youth group mission trips and retreats. So like Montreat, mission trips, Pinecrest, a bunch of those things. And I get to go to my first mission trip this year and I'm really excited about it. So here's what you can do. To, you can check out the article in the January window and the February window. You can attend the youth auction on Sunday, March 6th. Tickets will be sold online on Sundays in February. You can donate items to the youth auction. We have provided a Sign Up Genius link in the newsletter to make it easier to donate, or we can call you, or you can contact a committee member to donate. So in other words, one way or another, we're going to get you to donate, and we're super excited to be having it. Um, we have several committees that also need help. One of the things, Karen Festmeyer is working really hard as she coordinates this to have everybody doing a small part. No one is picking up any big, giant piece, and so if you would like to take on a small part, feel free to reach out to us, because it does take all of us to pull off this kind of event and so we are putting in place a sustainable leadership plan, is what Karen calls it, so that this can continue year after year and no one panics when we call you to say, hey, can you help with the youth auction? So we've made all of this small and bite-sized. You can reach out to me or to Christopher if you want to be on our team, and I'm going to let Madison close it. I'd like to close with our 2022 youth auction scripture that will carry us forward. He will cover you with his feathers he will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Psalms 91.4. Thank you. God calls us to rejoice as we worship. God invites us into deeper faith and more obedient trust. 
Please stand and join me in our call to worship. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. The voice of the Lord is over the waters, the God of glory thunders. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood, the Lord sits enthroned as king forever. God offers us new life through Jesus Christ. Through Christ we have forgiveness and love. Let us confess our sin and pray for God's mercy. Merciful God, like sheep who wander from the shepherd, so also have we wandered from you. In our sin we have denied you and denigrated others. Have mercy on us, we pray. 
Save us from our own wrong choices and forgive us for our harmful actions. Forgive us and then give us courage to repair the breaches we have caused in our lives and in others. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. God has mercy on us, and God forgives our sins and no longer holds them against us. Let us rejoice in God's goodness. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. As our children come forward, I invite you to greet one another with the peace of Christ. My friend Charlie is here. Charlie, I don't know if you've ever heard of the phrase quality over quantity, but it seems very appropriate this morning. I want to show you something special. It's something really special in our house, and it is a photo album. And I know you've probably got one in your house as well. And this is a photo album. All of our kids have these. This is a photo album for our oldest daughter, and you can see pictures of her from when she was just a wee baby, just a little girl. And you can see pictures of her from her first days, from her birth, all the way through all kinds of fun pictures. And here's a picture of her when she was a little baby as well. And then um, there's one in here that's my favorite. Here's one of my favorites, if I can get the pages to cooperate. Here she is dead asleep on in her plate and eating dinner because she just fell asleep and went straight down into the food. It was really kind of funny. And then you can kind of... Yeah, I know. <laughs> and you can see all kinds of good pictures like that. So one of the fun things we like to do is look back through photo albums like this and just say, oh, wasn't that a great moment? Look, there she is taking her first step. So proud of her. There she is doing something else for the first time. It's a great time. And you can just look back at all these pictures and you can say, oh, wasn't that a great moment? That was so special. And I know your folks have one for you as well. Yeah. I want to tell you, though, about a really special moment in Jesus's life, okay? Because there was a time when Jesus had somebody say, oh, I love you so much, I'm so proud of you. And that happened at his baptism. We're going to talk about Jesus' baptism a little bit later 
in this service, but there was a day when Jesus went out and he was with his cousin John and they walked down into the Jordan River and Jesus was baptized with water just like you were baptized with water because I remember when you were baptized with water right up there at that baptismal font. Jesus was also baptized and then here's the most amazing thing. When he was coming up out of that water, a dove came down from heaven. The Holy Spirit came down from heaven and it looked like a dove. And you can see that it might have looked just like this dove right here. And it came down and it kind of just hovered around Jesus. And then this loud voice from heaven. It says, heaven was torn open and a loud voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. And it was the father saying, Jesus, I'm so proud of you. And we love you, and the Spirit and the Father and the Son were all there together to talk about this moment in Jesus' life where then he would go on for teaching and healing and all the great things of his ministry. So we're grateful for Jesus' baptism. We're grateful for all of our baptisms. We're grateful for your baptism because God says to you in your life, you are my beloved, and of you I am well pleased. God says that to you in your life. All right. So we're going to pray together. And you can pray after me if you want to. Dear God, thank you for today and thank you for your love. We thank you for our baptisms and our life with you and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Charlie. I appreciate you coming up this morning. You can see we're moving through what in the bulletin would be an anthem, but we don't have an anthem this morning. Again, um, quality over quantity, I think, but uh, like the rest of the congregation, we've got some choir members out with COVID or they've been exposed or somebody in their family, so we didn't quite have enough today to do the anthem, but quality over quantity. We'll keep saying that more and more. All right. Let us pray. Here we are, Lord, once again, looking into the pages of Scripture. Lord, we look into these pages because they are not ordinary pages. They are quite extraordinary because they contain your love and your will and your grace, your holiness, your judgment. So we pray for your spirit to enliven our imaginations now as we listen for your word spoken into our hearts through this reading. In Christ's name we pray, amen. We have two scripture readings before us this morning. Both of them deal with the uh, concept of joy and what it means to be joyful. And Psalm 30 is such an important psalm of joy because it starts and acknowledges that the psalmist has been in a joyless place, has been probably affected by some kind of severe illness, um, has been down to the pit, has been um, attacked by some adversaries. And it's an important movement from grief to joy And it reminds all of us that that joy is an essential part of our life um, and that God promises joy to us. We may not be there right now, 
but joy comes in the morning after whatever that long night is. So we'll read Psalm 30 first for our scripture lesson this morning. Psalm 30, verses 1 through 12. I will extol you, Lord, for you have drawn me up. Did not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you brought my soul up from Sheol. You restored me to life from those gone down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you, his faithful ones. Give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes in the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you had established me as a strong mountain, you, but then you hid your face, and I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cried, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have taken off my sackcloth, and you have clothed me with joy, so that my soul may praise you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. And then from the New Testament, we do read Luke's account of Jesus' baptism from Luke 3, verses 15 to 22. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I is coming, and I'm not worthy to even untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. But Herod, the ruler, who had been rebuked by John because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and because of all the evil things that Herod had done, added to all of them, by shutting John up in prison. But when all the people were being baptized, and when Jesus had also been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven and said, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Again, a little bit like last week, it seems appropriate that on days like today, cold, rainy days, we are having a sermon series on joy, which we are doing throughout January, the very warm concept of biblical joy. It is impossible to read through much of the Bible at all, through any book in the Bible, and not see that there is joy in almost every book. Even some of those Old Testament prophets that we think are or kind of doom and gloom, even in those you will find sections of redemption and sections of thanksgiving and joy. Joy is all over Scripture. I mean, this morning's psalm from Psalm 30 is exactly what I said. It is this this promise of joy that no matter what you're going through, no matter how dark that night is, no matter if you feel attacked or or somehow blown over, God, God will bring you joy. And then you turn especially to the New Testament a place that William Morris calls the most joyful book in the world, 
And you find there, again, New Testament scholars tell us, there are eight different cognates for joy, eight different related, etymologically related words for joy in the New Testament. And those words appear, how many times would you guess? Words for joy appear in the New Testament over 326 times. In every book, in every book, there is something about joy written that comes to us through our faith. All these different words for joy. We had one a couple of weeks ago. Agalion is a Greek word, and we saw this when the Magi last week in our lesson. They reached Bethlehem, and the star stopped over the house where Jesus was. And it says that those wise men rejoiced with exceeding joy. It is this physically moving joy, this type of joy that we find in many places. We also saw it when Mary went to visit Elizabeth again a few weeks ago, right before Christmas. And Mary visits her and speaks a greeting. And John the Baptist in utero hears Mary's voice and leaps for joy. It's the same verb. Starts doing somersaults. He is so happy to hear Mary's voice. There's all kinds of joy words that are related in the New Testament. There's one for optimism, literally how you see your optics, how you see the future changes on account of your faith, and you see it in a much more positive way from before. There are other joy-related words for pleasure, for blessedness, like the Beatitudes, blessed. There's a shared joy among a community of Christians that you can't experience it alone, but you can experience in community. And I thought about this last night for, for um, Abby's wedding, that there are, again, people who had taught her Sunday school and, and mentored her, and it, there was this great shared joy among GPC folks, but then also their family and friends. It was communal joy at what was happening for them and their faith and their life. There's all kinds of joy in the New Testament, one of the best ones, this biblical word for joy that we have in Greek is hilaros. Hilaros, from which we get our word hilarity or hilarious. When you're laughing so hard that you can't stop, you can't catch your breath, something is hilaros. I definitely know we had several hilaros moments in the Jones house over the holidays. I'll just tell you one uh, aspect of this. The older Adults, meaning the parents, played the younger adults three times in Trivial Pursuit over the holidays. Some of those games lasted several hours or even one over a couple of days. And I'll just confess that the parents, the older adults, lost all three times. <laughs> now here's why. This was the 2016 edition. Of so every, every pink entertainment question involved a Kardashian or a song by Taylor Swift or Miley Cyrus, or something in the personal life of a Jonas brother, or Beyonce, Jay-Z, Pink, Rihanna, Drake, Bjork, or Shakira, all of, these, all, all of these artists who have so many talents but apparently only have one name. And we didn't know any of them. We landed on a pink pie piece question ten times and missed all ten in a row while our opponents sailed to victory. But in the meantime, there were moments when we couldn't catch our breath because we were laughing at something like that or remembering or telling stories. It felt like that scene, you know that scene from Mary Poppins where they laugh and they all start floating to the top of the ceiling and the top of the room. 
because laughter is the best medicine, and they're so happy. And the, the, the more you laugh, the higher you float, and you can't come down. Do you know where that word hilaros is used in the New Testament, the primary place it's used? Maybe not. It's 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves a hilaros giver, a cheerful giver. God loves a hilarious giver. The idea is that your giving and your generosity produces so much joy in you that you smile and maybe even you laugh when you're saying, I can't believe I'm giving that much money to the church. But you're doing it anyway because you're so full of joy. I don't expect this to happen. It would be maybe a first. I don't know. It would be unusual in a Presbyterian congregation if spontaneous laughter broke out around the sanctuary as we passed the offering plates up and down the aisle. But I'm willing to hear that first. The idea, of course, is that joyfulness is part of your being and it's part of your giving as a Christian disciple. And I'm just going to kind of throw out there one last plug, one last invitation for our Engaging Our Potential Stewardship Campaign you think about your own life and who you are. Think about who we are as, as grateful Christians. We're so grateful for our blessings and our forgiveness. We're so grateful for what God has allowed us to build, maybe in our careers or in our lives. We're so grateful for healing or for recovery, something that's come to a loved one or, or maybe even yourself. Sometime when even healing hasn't come or doesn't come, but you know God is with you every single step of the way of all of your treatments or all of your trials. God is with you 100% of the time, and you are so grateful. When it comes to who you are and your gratitude, when I think about this engaging our potential campaign, we're talking about you having a way to give so generously and with so much joy. Not, Not to us necessarily as a church, although a lot of it will, of course, do what we need to do as a church, but more out of gratitude for God's work in our community and what God is doing for the building up of the kingdom. I mean, we'll announce those totals for that engaging our potential commitment and those commitments and and pledges. We'll announce those on January the 30th in three weeks at the annual meeting of the congregation. But if you haven't yet taking advantage of the opportunity to experience the deep joy and generosity, then I just want to encourage you to to do that, to do that. And and we know that a lot of cards didn't get out in the mail because of all these postal system constraints right now, so a lot of people didn't get their cards. Sunday mornings, of course, a lot of people haven't been able to come to church who normally might, and so they haven't picked up a card. If that might be you, in here in the sanctuary, or maybe that's you watching online, call Fred Turvery in our business office. Send him an email, and he'll fill out a card for you. If you haven't been able to commit to the church and its future through this campaign, you can still experience that type of joy that will just delight you. And so I just want to encourage you to do this. And even if it's $10, I promise you the amount does not matter. The amount does not matter, but filling in that card says, I'm on board. I think the church is going in the right direction, and I am on board, and I'm, I'm excited about the future. 
I don't see the amounts. I've said this before, but we look at the list of those who haven't filled out a card yet, and I just wonder, have we done something wrong? Has leadership let you down somehow? Or has a staff member inadvertently offended you? Is there a reason why you've chosen not to fill out a card yet? And I know some circumstances in people's lives change. They change, and people have said that. They said, look, this year is different. Um, life has changed. I'm not sure what I can do. Whatever you do, whatever you do will be appreciated and you'll, you'll be part of this delight and this joy that God is providing for our church and for our community and for the kingdom. So I just want to encourage you to smile and to jump on board with everybody else in that joyful, hilarious generosity. So when we look at the Gospel of Luke, we know it is especially joyful. It's especially joyful. In fact, of those 326 joy words that are in the New Testament, 25% of them are found in Luke, and they're found in the book of Acts, which is written by Luke. Luke's whole worldview, his whole worldview is shaped by the joy that he finds in Christ. It changes his outlook on everything, and it's in Luke that we see all of these people, we see all of these people rejoice. There are these rejoice words in Jesus' teachings and his parables, So you can see, for example, in the parable of the lost sheep, the shepherd leaves the 99, he goes out to find that one, he puts it on his shoulders, and then what does he do? He goes back to the rest, he says, rejoicing. Do you know what the father of the prodigal says to the older brother? He says, look, it is only right, it is only right that we rejoice over this brother who was once lost but is now found. That joy word appears when Zacchaeus climbs down out of that tree in such a hurry and he welcomes Jesus into his house joyfully, it says. The disciples go out two by two to preach and heal and teach and it says they come back rejoicing because they are amazed at what God has done. There's a prominent man from Ethiopia who had previously suffered all kinds of abuse in his life and we read about him in the book of Acts, but he was still a man and still a child of God, and he goes to Jerusalem to worship God. He converts there with the help of Philip, and he is baptized right there in a roadside pool by Philip, and it says he goes on the rest of his way rejoicing. You see, that is what we all do, no matter who we are. That's what we all do. We all go from our baptism to the rest of our lives rejoicing because we are disciples of Christ. We're followers of God. Day in and day out, we go about rejoicing. Does that mean we won't grieve? Does that mean we won't face trials and obstacles? Does that mean we won't be sad at points in our life? Of course it doesn't mean that. We'll face all of those. We grieve together every time we have a memorial service here in our sanctuary, like there was one yesterday. We grieve every time at a funeral service, but in every service, you will always hear us say that we grieve, but not like those without hope. We grieve and we always talk about the joy with which we remember the person who is now gone. So in today's reading about Jesus' baptism, there are several joy words that are embedded in this action and what unfolds here. One comes at the very beginning. It says, when all the people were filled with expectation. 
This is actually a joy word. It means hopeful, joyous yearning. They're waiting on their Savior from God. They've waited. They are yearning. But they do so in hope and joy, knowing that God will be true. Knowing that God will keep His promises. That God will answer their hope when the time is right. They think that even John might be the Messiah, and John puts all that talk to an end. He says, no, the one coming after I is so much more powerful and good and holy, and you will be amazed at what he does. The other two joy words come in the end. They're actually part of God's voice from heaven. When the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus, the Father says from heaven, you are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Those two words, beloved and pleasing, are in the joy family, and it means this. It means that joy is deeply, deeply embedded in God's own inner life. Between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there is joy circulating within, around, and to and from each other, all from eternity. Joy is an attribute of God that is shared between all three, and it's on full display here at Jesus' baptism. The Father finds great joy in the Son. The Spirit rests joyfully on the Son. The Son derives joy from both and radiates joy Back to the Father and the Spirit. And then here's what it means for us. When you are baptized into Christ, baptized into discipleship, you are included in a way of life that is more joyful than you ever deserve. John Habgood describes joy as undeserved happiness bubbling up to the surface in thanksgiving. That that is what your life in Christ is is all about. It's all about what we don't deserve but receive anyway from God. And one of those is joy. Joy, God God gives us joy even though we don't deserve it. We can't manufacture it for ourselves. We can't produce it for ourselves. This joy that comes from God, God's eternal life, this joy is a gift that will ground your life and mine in total purpose and meaning and commitment. So every year we celebrate Jesus' baptism because those words that were spoken over him become spoken over us also in our baptism and our life of faith. What Christ receives is then generously transferred over to us. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. With you I am well pleased. That is given to each one of us. When the waters of baptism flow on us, we commit our lives to Christ. Those words are spoken into our lives. According to the New Testament, living with joy is so natural for us as Christ's followers. It is so natural because deep joy is always derived from a life with God. So I'll finish up by saying, acknowledging this, that we all know this, that Joy is natural for Christians, and yet it also seems so elusive sometimes, doesn't it? Joy can be so elusive. One reason, I think, because it rarely leads. It rarely sounds good in the headlines. I do love reading joyful stories about things that happen in our community and joyful generosity, and there are a million of those stories out there. But you're not going to see many of them in the news. We just know how our 24-hour news cycle works right now. It is always fear-based, and there's always some bad news about crime or COVID or disasters or greed or corruption. We just know all of this, that, that all of our media now operates by advocacy journalism, all of them. 
And usually they instill fear and loathing of someone else, against someone else, or because of someone else. And it happens so often in politics as well. It just seems like our world right now, maybe more so than ever, is, is just guided by exaggerated claims of disaster and crisis everywhere around us. Every day in the news, there's always a crisis about something somewhere. And it always seems hyperbolic, and so are the claims by those who say they can fix it. Exaggerated claims of disaster or claims of how to fix it. If you want more joy in your life, then read your Bible every day at least as much or more than you watch the news. It will produce more joy in you, I guarantee it. Another reason why joy is so elusive is that that in our world, people people claim or, 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 or say that you have to manufacture joy for yourself based on your conquest or your experiences, that joy comes through what we do of our own efforts, usually through hobbies or experiences or even in relationships. That's where you find the joy that you make for yourself. So there's a different hobby or experience that you can fill in this blank with. I did a little Amazon search. The joy of fill in the blank. So here are some. Joy of gardening. That's one I can resonate with. That's good. The joy of cooking. Joy of basketball. The joy of baseball. The joy of fishing. The Joy of Painting by Bob Ross. Remember Bob Ross from the 70s? Had the same hairstyle from the 70s all the way through his death, you know, a few years ago. Joy of Painting. The Joy of X, a guide to math from one to infinity. So this implies there is an infinite amount of joy for mathematicians in solving all kinds of formulas. If that's you, God bless you. (laughs) I don't derive joy in that, but I'm glad that you do. The Joy of X. There was another Joy of book from the early 1970s that sort of sounded like that last title, but it had a couple of more letters in front of that, and it was a big seller when it came out. All of these things, activities, conquests, experiences. Uh, Of course there's joy for gardening for me. Maybe there's joy in math for you or painting or whatever it may be. But the problem with all these hobbies or activity related joys is that they are fleeting. Winter comes and the garden dies. All these hobbies last for a while. They depend on my efforts or maybe things outside of my control. Our world is especially confused sometimes about the joy of the last book I mentioned from the 1970s. Herod was confused about it in his day. Not much has changed from that day to our day. Our world wants us to manufacture joy through conquest, experiences, hobbies, adventures. And God says, let me give you a joy that will really last. Let me give you a joy you can't make for yourself, a joy you don't deserve, but I'll give it anyway. Let me give you a joy that will last beyond your life, whatever your trials, your illnesses, your problems Let me, says God, share with you the joy that we, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, have within each other and for each other. Let the joy of the triune God rest upon you because you are God's beloved and with you God is well pleased. Amen.
Friends, in our worship service each week, we build in a place where we can affirm our faith, where we can recognize the faith that's been handed down to us from those who have gone before us, that we have learned from them, and that we now claim as our own. So please stand and join me in our affirmation of faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, the Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. We are privileged that God invites us to come to him and to offer up the prayers of our hearts and our souls, and we do so now. Let us pray. You are the God that we love and that we trust and that we obey. And to you this morning, O God, we do pour out our souls in this time of worship. You are worthy of all praise, and you are holy beyond all comprehension. We're grateful that you have come to us in Jesus Christ and given us a type of joy that we experience, that we cherish, and that we share. You have shown us the way to an abundant life, O God, and we are grateful to walk in humble adoration as we worship you today. We do thank you for the grace that you have bestowed upon all creation, for its winter beauty even in a rainstorm that waters the earth and nourishes it. Lord, for all of life, which is so good from your hand, we give you thanks. We are grateful, O God, for the invitation to come to you when we are carrying heavy burdens, when there is mourning, when there's grief, when there's heartache. Lord, we are joyful in our walk with you, and we know also, though, there are in our GPC family those who are carrying heavy burdens. We pray for their strength to be replenished by you. Some heavy burdens come through advancing age and the breakdown of bodies. We pray that you would bless all in our church family who are in the winter of life. Others carry a heavy burden due to a health crisis or treatments or COVID or cancer. Other maladies of body and mind. We pray, oh God, that you would lift their heavy burden with healing and with hope. Lord, hear our prayers that we pray, and we pray them with confidence that there is great trust in you, and in you alone above all others do we trust. We trust, O Christ, that you would strengthen us and that we can do anything that you call on us to do as a church. And so we do pray for our church that you would continue to bless and to build us up into the people that you are calling us to be. 
Hear us in this moment of unity, O God, as we pray together the prayer that Christ taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, with full hearts desiring to respond to the grace of God, we now continue to worship through the giving of our tithes and our offerings.
Let us pray. Dear God, we dedicate these offerings to you, knowing that you can do miraculous things through them. We pray, O oh God, that they would increase, that you would use these gifts to not just bless the church, Lord, but to bless the work of the church and the community. We pray that these gifts might be magnified and enlarged in a way that those who have no hope would come to know you and then experience the joy that you give to all of us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Christian friends, go now out into the world joyfully to love and serve the Lord and to love and serve your neighbor as yourself. And as you go, may the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon you and dwell in your heart and in your mind forever. Amen.